Hello and welcome back to the Agri-Food Comscast. I'm Catherine Lynch, MD at Pinstone, and we've got another AFCC episode that's jam-packed with industry-leading guests. Today's stories behind the big initiatives affecting food and farming see us picking up with Red Tractor's Rebecca Miller, with John Kirkpatrick, Tesco's Agriculture Manager for Poultry, and Farmers Guardian Editor Ben Briggs talking about the British Farming Awards. First up, the Red Tractor logo has had a facelift, and I'm delighted to welcome their Head of Communications, Rebecca Miller, to tell us more. A very warm welcome to you, Rebecca. Thank you very much. So, uh, Red Tractor, uh, a symbol that many of us look out for, and it's clearly got fantastic outreach with retailers and food brands alike. But could you perhaps just put a few numbers around uh, the full extent of its impact and its outreach? Of course. So, Red Tractor has about 46,000 British farmers as members. We assure approximately 75% of British agriculture. And there's a 14.7 billion pounds worth of food and drink that carry our logo. So we are a, a substantial brand, one would say. Absolutely. Yeah, big numbers there. Um, so if you can just perhaps very briefly describe the uh, the new logo and, and what's changed, what's what looks different? Yes. So everyone sort of remembers that there is a tractor in it. Most people probably can't articulate much more than that. And within it, the, the only words that appeared on it were assured food standards, which is our sort of official name, but it is not the name which is recognised by consumers or probably most people within um, food and farming um, industry. So the main changes we've done is to update and modernise the Red Tractor itself. We, we decided that actually Red Tractor is the name that we are recognised for. So we actually put Red Tractor into the logo. So now it says Red Tractor. So we modernised the, the tractor as well. Some of our research has found that whilst people recognise um, what we do, think that we're a valuable asset, what they don't really understand is what it is we actually do, the detail, the standards part of our remit. A lot of people recognise us as being British and being good and something that they would look out for, but not truly understanding what sits behind it. So um, our research really brought up that by putting in the words certified standards, really put a bit of a stamp of authority um, onto onto the logo. So therefore, not only did people could recognise really simply and, and, and quickly what it is we do, we're about standards. Certification gave it a sense of it's been checked and there's a bit of you know, people have had to do something to gain this recognition. Also, to reinforce that, we added a tick. So the tractor sits on sort of a tick, which shows, again, demonstrates that it has been checked, that there's been some sort of rigour set behind it. And then because we always talk about farms with care and obviously the sort of care and, and attention that our members put into producing this food, within the wheel, we put um, a heart in there that, that demonstrate that bit of care and attention. Absolutely. Now, I think it's certainly the word certified. You know, you sort of think of certificate. Someone's had to do some work and, and they've got the tick, but you've still very much got the, the tractor image. It's it's still red, white and blue. So you do get that sort of Britishness around it. So how's it has it been received, Rebecca? Have you had good good feedback so far? We've had really good feedback. I mean, we were slightly nervous because of our planning schedule we'd always planned to do um, launching in the spring and obviously with covid 
we didn't want to put an undue pressure on our members when they're at a time where they were sort of pulling out all the stops to feed the nation. But I think principally because this logo is going to be rolling out over 12 months, that has helped, I think, the supply chain. I think everyone has received it really, really positively. I think the fact that we've brought out a bit more about the tractor to make it really clear about what it is we do. The Britishness is still very much, very much part of our logos. We've had really great feedback from that as well. And um, I think and also I just think people just think it was it was due a new look um, for 20 years. It's been a certain way. And I think what, what was really important is we although it, it we needed a new look, we needed to stay true to what that people recognised and, and knew and understood. And I always sort of equate it to the the change in the way John Lewis have changed from John Lewis to JL, which still has a lot of the colouring and a lot of the design so people can quickly and easily identify it as John Lewis, but it has just modernised it and brought it into something that allows us to use it more uh, interesting, engagingly on social and all our different platforms rather than just on um, a package that you might see in a, in a supermarket. Okay, so was the fact that we've got Brexit looming or has happened and trade deals still to to come, etc. And all that uncertainty was was that a driver in the decision to create a new brand at all? Well, interestingly, the decision came to new brand wasn't because we were talking about changing the core logo. About 18 months ago, we had talked about and um, that we were introducing some new elements to our, our brand, sort of new standards. And I think we described it at that time, modular standards. And we went into research and did um, a lot of focus groups about how can that be added to what always our core range, not with the intention at that stage to change our logo. It was just to look at how we could bring these other elements into it to make it consistent of how our logo was at that time. And then interestingly, you know, part of that research was the name of the new the modules and all that sort of stuff and the new marks and how they would incorporate. But what came out through that really loud and clear was the, the fact that although they sort of, you know, we had really high prompted awareness figures that people would recognise, like 75, 70% of people would recognise Red Tractor, they just didn't understand or thought that it was a bit immature, a um, bit childlike, um, didn't really represent the breadth and depth. So once they understood the breadth and depth of what we do across the whole supply chain, whether it's the the food safety, whether it's the environmental awareness, whether it was the animal welfare and the traceability, they really didn't think that this logo that we had really, really um, expressed the, the, what, the amount of work that was behind it. So actually, during the process, looking at how we could add to our standard, did we we looked at we re looked at our logo and thought, okay, what can we do now? And of course, we know with the backdrop with Brexit and the trade standards, there's and trade deals. There was an importance that we could do as much as possible to really represent British farming um, mm. and help signpost because you know, everyone hears the rhetoric about buy British and look for British, but actually, this is a really really good signpost for people to go if they see the red tractor yes we know we're buying British but we also know we're buying British that's produced to really really high standards um, that has been thoroughly checked that is really re regarded as sign of quality 
and a buying specification for retailers and actually in food services. So in restaurants as well, I know we often think about supermarkets, but it's actually in restaurants and people dining out and in pubs and things like that. And so, yes, it just seemed like a, it seemed like this was absolutely the right time to do it, to get really sort of reinforce our, our messaging and also our, um, our brand ahead of what is going to be, we know, a really interesting time in, in the coming months. Definitely. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, we've got, obviously got Tesco up next, so we don't need to go into too much detail because I'll uh, I'll be quizzing John shortly. But uh, <laughs> sort of the evolution of, of, of the brand and this higher welfare standard, do you just want to just say a little bit more about uh, where that fits in? So what we have done in the last few weeks was launch, we launch our free range range for um poultry so we had one in the midst but again we didn't identify and it wasn't you couldn't tell as a consumer whether this was a free range or whether it was a core range we knew it had met um it reached red free range standards but there wasn't we didn't articulate that to our um consumers so we've created this similar to the red tractor so it still has the red tractor in the center of it has the tick it has all that and heart in the wheel but instead of certified standards it has free range and we have sort of the orange color as well still has the british flag around it so as well so it's really gives a sense of britishness and then in also we've introduced enhanced welfare as we know there's been a lot of conversation debate about whether there was a need to have another sort of tier within uh, you know within the hierarchy of core free range organic and this new enhanced welfare meets all the the requirements of the better chicken commitment which a few retailers and food service brands have all signed up for but what what's quite helpful for this is that it meets all those uh, requirements but because it's very much within the red tractor family it does if if people choose to go for that in the supply chain we won't have a bigger audit burden as perhaps if they move to another brand because if they're already red tractor certified it's almost like a bit of a bolt-on for them so they're already within the framework of the assessments and audits and that sort of framework so and tesco as you said is going to be on next as a, um, a very early adopter of of our um, enhanced welfare range of the poultry so so a whole suite of, of new brands that we can uh, start looking out for in on on produce and and presumably that'll be rolled out in the in the course of the the year ahead yes of course so at the moment it's 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 been very much poultry focused but um we're looking at across all sectors how we can introduce things and rolling out as you said over the next 12 to 18 months so yeah watch the space really Brilliant. Um, so just finally, um, Rebecca, I can't not ask, you know, uh, the impact of COVID-19, a uh, bit of a uh, ongoing theme for this series of, of podcasts, but the impact from the Red Tractor point of view, the response from, from customers, you know, has, there, has it provided a bit of an opportunity with customers thinking a bit more about provenance and the food they eat and taking a little bit more care and attention to, to check the labelling, etc.? Yes, I think once we got past the initial couple of weeks where there was the sort of the panic buying and people just trying to get whatever they could off the shelves, what we have seen, um, certainly um, as an industry, that people are uh, paying a bit more attention about where their food comes from, whether they're even looking at the, the, the quality and whether they're getting those food boxes delivered to them, the butchers and that sort of thing. So that that has been um, a really interesting move. 
We've also seen that we had um, a really good opportunity because many brands were sort of looking at how to communicate being on TV, their TV advertising, because we had to change substantially. It was We already had scheduled in some TV ads. We only do it sort of twice a year because it's in a very expensive sort of method of communicating the red tractor brand but it, we find it really successful by just having a presence on tv and some of the m- more popular shows it does um, increase our sort of awareness numbers and figures so we always have that a bit of a drumbeat of twice a year of tv advertising what was really um, helpful for us in during this period is that we already had scheduled in um, a tv ad so it was ready to go and because our the context of what we have the sort of um, animated um, advertising campaign, we didn't have to change anything, but we found that there was um, greater availability. So actually we sort of upweighted our TV campaign. So we were on TV far longer and had a far wider reach than normal at a really reasonable price because prices were quite low. So for us, that was a really good, uh, a great benefit for us. But what we also realized that we just had to just perhaps sense the tone and be a bit more mindful of the tone of what's happening around us. And one thing that we what we found that the feeding the nation, people started to rally behind the farming community, the efforts that they were doing to make sure we had the food on our shelves. So we sort of um, had a more digital approach, which we haven't really gone into great deal previously. We've done odd bits of campaigning, but we really started creating some video content and really using our, our social media channels as well. And we sort of looked at, instead of us broadcasting saying, Red Tractor is this, we deliver this, you should look for it. We we sort of turned it around a bit and started looking from the eyes of, um, of a shopper mm. and what it is that they would like to know would, that would encourage them or help them, A, understand what Red Tractor was about, but why, why would they look for the Red Tractor logo? So we did a campaign, we call it the Emma campaign. Um, It's a lady that we think sort of represents quite a lot of the Red Tractor shoppers, um, primary shoppers and households. And we went through a series of things around not only talking to farmers about what this means, COVID means to them and how they still are delivering quality food to really high standards through Red Tractor, to also looking at how with food waste, and people now having to really plan out menus, what can they do when they've got maybe fresh produce that's a little bit on the turn? What can they do so they don't waste any food? How can they start planning a bit more of their menus? We also looked at dairy. There are a lot of stories out there around dairy farmers and some of the struggles that they had with um, now with a lot of the restaurants not taking their milk. So how could we as a consumer support that? What recipes, what things we could do and what goes into sort of and a little background of what goes into making sure that the food that we just pick up off the shelf, the milk is one of those things, those staple items that people just throw into their trolley, into their basket, not thinking much about it. But actually the due care and attention that goes into it and the dairy farmers and what's involved to make sure that we can we we can do that, basically. Um, so it's been for us quite an interesting way of you know, us turning away and, and turning around the way we communicate and just learning a bit more so it's been a challenge but it's also been a really good challenge for us actually because it's pushed us into places that we haven't reached before and we feel that we're reaching and meeting more and more people so our stats have been 
pretty um positive actually the awareness of since we've done that in the last um, couple of months that's that's brilliant and I think another example of that sort of nimbleness and responsiveness to the conditions and you know really sensing the the public mood and being able to uh, uh, respond in the way you have so congratulations on that campaign and uh, you. You know, uh, wish you every success with the launch of the new new logo so uh, thank you very much Rebecca thank you that leads me neatly on to our next guest agriculture manager for poultry at Tesco John Kirkpatrick. Hi John, welcome. Uh, good afternoon Catherine. So um, John, tell me the backdrop to Tesco introducing the Red Tractor Enhanced Welfare Standard. Well I think we, we have worked uh, as a key stakeholder and, and myself as a Red Tractor board member to support uh, Red Tractor to develop uh, this new enhanced uh, scheme. Um, we recognise there is obviously uh, a consumer need, a consumer demand for this product. Um, so we've been working with Red Tractor and the, the Red Tractor Technical Advisory Committee and the board um, to develop what we feel um, best represents um, a higher welfare standard uh, for poultry meat. OK, so what very much in a nutshell, what, what does it stand for? What is uh, what is the consumer buying when they see that? enhanced welfare a logo so essentially uh, the standard is a lower stocked bird so the bird is stocked at 30 kilograms per square meter uh, the bird is a differing breed to the mainstream uh, production so the bird is typically a slower growing bird growing to 30 kilograms uh, the bird has a higher level of light um, so typically we would operate um, our standard production at, at 20 lux of light um, the, the higher welfare bird is, is actually offered 50 lux of light. So it's a very bright environment. Um, and I think, you know, obviously we've, we've looked to develop this, this standard um, to really, really deliver for what, what our customers are looking for right now. And really is a bit of a, an additional offer to our organic and um, finest products as well. Okay, so is there is there a risk of confusion here? You know, there's lots of different labels, like you said, you've already got organic, and there's other sorts of welfare standards. Um, you know, what's what's the risk in in just people not really understanding what the difference is? I think you know we we have got very clear um, labelling and very clear tiering um, across the shelves. Um, I think you know, generally speaking. Um, I, I'm very pleased with the route that we've gone down in terms of the new labelling. Um, I think it's very clear to consumers what they're buying. Um, the range that we've actually launched, which, which was Room to Roam, uh, the brand uh, was launched on the 6th of April of this year. And uh, I must say it's been it's been received very well by customers. I think customers have um, really bought into it. We're actually seeing customers move from what I would call a core product actually moving up the shelves mm-hmm. um so you know i think it's it's been received very well i think consumers have responded um very positively um and certainly the discussion with you know uh farmers uh ngos and processors have been very positive as well so you know we're, we're moving in the right direction but we recognize there's more to do more from the 6th of april you've only really had uh, covid-19 uh, conditions really to to test it in but uh, do you think that that had any kind of a sway in purchasing decisions 
Yes, well, I think, you know, we've seen across all poultry meat unprecedented demand, but, you know, nonetheless, we're seeing a product here with a slight price premium over core product. Mm. Um, but consumers seem to be prepared um, to step up and pay that little bit extra for, you know, this enhanced welfare product. So, you know, it's early days. The product launched on the 6th of April. Um, really, you know, we need the first six to 12 months data to really make a solid judgment on where this goes long term. Um, but but it's interesting developments thus far. And I think it's a step uh, in the right direction for Tesco. Brilliant. Um, so from a communications perspective, obviously, you know, there's so much that the logo uh, talks about. You've got your room to roam, which, again, would would give customers a little bit of an indication as to um, you know what what they're they're buying into um, is, is there anything else that from Tesco your your perspective that you're doing in communicating with us with customers whether it's online it's through social media or or other channels to um, sort of support that that new brand well you know as you can appreciate Catherine and you've, you've just talked about it very briefly earlier you know we've obviously gone through a, a global pandemic and we didn't feel it pertinent to be talking about um, high welfare poultry meat in the midst of that. So in terms of POS, point of sale material, we haven't done anything, but we have done quite a lot of work through uh, both Red Tractor and RSPCA Assured, uh, which are both on pack. We've also done quite a lot of work through the press to get the message out that we've done this piece of work. Certainly we would like to have gone with more point of sale messaging but the challenge we've had is you know we're obviously in the midst of a global pandemic uh, and certainly customers priorities are more on on the health of their families uh, and their loved ones than than poultry welfare so we, we were very sensitive to that however you know later in the year we have plans to continue to amplify the message about what we're doing agriculturally Great. And I mean, I guess it's a it's a perpetual issue, really, labelling in general and, you know, cluttering the, the packs with different standards. And, you know, I guess that's something you're coming up uh, against in the in the main all, all the time. Well, I think, you know, for us, you know, we've we've obviously Red Tractor be one of the key brands or a key certification marks that we would use on our product. And, you know, customer recognition is very, very strong, you know, in excess of 70 percent. I think, you know, consumers buy into Red Tractor. You know, obviously, we work very hard, you know, with the Red Tractor team to ensure that, you know, standards that they develop are fit for purpose and fit for the future. And I think, you know, the consumer recognition piece is really important, you know, that we are able to reassure our customers that we as a retail business are doing the right thing on their behalf and making sure that the standards that are put on our packs uh, reassure our customers and develop, demonstrate the right standards and develop the right standards for the long term. So you'd picked up on the responsibility of the the retailer there and assurance and you know having that sort of trust in in a brand. Um, but as I understand it, John, I think customers can be quite fickle. You know what they might answer in a questionnaire as to you know what they think about different different standards and food production might actually be something quite different to their behaviour when there's a price promotion or or whatever. So what what's the balance uh, between responding to what they might vocalise versus how they might behave? Well, I think agriculturally for us, you know, we we serve a very broad customer base, as you know, Catherine. Mm. I think, you know, I would liken it to value versus values. 
you know, the, the challenge is we do serve a very broad uh, range of customers, right from finest on the top shelf to everyday value on the bottom shelf. But the key thing in all of that remains is, you know, those high agricultural standards, ensuring, you know, high levels of animal welfare, you know, food safety. I think, you know, for us, that focus is is right across all our product range in terms of poultry. So I think for us, you know, regardless of whether a consumer is buying an everyday value product at entry tier or a finest product that can be reassured, you know, the standards, both the Tesco Livestock Code of Practice standards and the Farm Assurance standards um, that we're applying on PAC are robust and relevant and science and evidence led to give them the reassurance and to give them the clarity that we as a retail business, you know, have, have actually delivered a product that they can trust and not just for today, but for the long term. Brilliant. So uh, are there any plans going forward or, or what's what's next on the on the poultry horizons? Well, I think, you know, we've obviously come through a very challenging period of time this year thus far. Uh, as you can appreciate, you know, re- retail wise, we've seen very strong sales growth this year so far. I think for us, you know, we are potentially tipping into a recession here in the UK. So as I've said earlier, I think it's really important that our farming supply base is fit for purpose, fit for future and prepared for that. I think there are some challenges ahead in terms of retail. But, you know, as as a business, we are very focused on delivering for customers a healthy, sustainable, affordable product. And that and that continues, Catherine. Brilliant. That's that's great. Thanks ever so much, John. Great to get some uh, insight from from Tesco's there. It's great to see that Red Tractor certified standards are leading the way, capitalising on the current appetite for food provenance and braced in light of all the unknowns around Brexit related trade deals. But now we turn the tables to another lighter topic, that of industry awards. The British Farming Awards are now in their eighth year and as with many such celebratory occasions are generally characterised by black tie fanfare, chinking of glasses and hugs and tears all round. So the ceremony clearly is going to look a bit different for 2020 and I'm now joined by Ben Briggs, editor of Farmers Guardian, the organisers behind the event. Welcome Ben. Hello. Hi. So you've taken the call this year to make the ceremony for the awards to go digital. How difficult a decision was that? The decision to make the British Farming Awards a a virtual event wasn't an easy one by our events team at all. One of the challenges that you have due to COVID-19 and the coronavirus is the fact that you're just in an element of the unknown. So we could have um, decided to keep it as a, as a real event at the, uh, at the NEC in Birmingham, an in-person event. But as time got nearer and nearer and you're looking for certainty around the commercial outcomes of your event, you're actually adding more uncertainty to everything because uh, we, we just do not know where we're going to be in October for the awards. So the, the decision was taken around about a month ago to make it a virtual event. And it's been fantastic to see, actually, that our commercial partners with the event, so Morrison's are the headline ones, and we've got a myriad of, of category sponsors have, have in, uh, in the main decided to, to continue to support the event and keep back in the British Farming Awards, which is, you know, it, it's established in the calendar. It, it's a really, it's a really vibrant and, and positive event. And whilst we will miss that kind of person-to-person interaction on the evening, it is also 
vital that these businesses are getting that oxygen of publicity that they receive from from either being shortlisted or, or one of the winners at the event. Absolutely. No, great to see it's it's carrying on on regardless. So just describe what will the award ceremony actually look like? Well, the award ceremony itself will now take place online. So it was it was scheduled for October 21st. Uh, we will will be sourcing a presenter for it and we'll be running through all the awards as we would usually. Um, but the big thing is we're not in a room in Birmingham with uh, between 750 and 800 people there so we're in uh, we're in negotiations with a presenter at the moment and the the idea will be that that ahead of time our tech team will get down we will video the run through of the awards as we would on the evening so the gold award winners and the silver award winners will all be announced and then we will we will play it on that evening when the event was actually scheduled for so that'll go out live on the British Farming Awards website and obviously on our social media platforms at Farmers Guardian and it will give those firms that have been shortlisted and also the winners the um, the exposure that they would they would usually get but these are these are just unprecedented times, Catherine, and it's, uh, you know, it's not an easy decision to make. But ultimately, you've got to look at the, the commercial viability of this event and also the future integrity of the brand. And that's why our team at AgriBriefing have, have done what they've done. You know, one of the one of the fantastic things about having events when you have a, a large crowd there is is both the interaction and, and last year we had Vernon Kay presenting the awards and and he was brilliant and it was an absolutely it was a wonderful wonderful occasion uh, and if anybody was there you know when when we announced Farming Hero and when we announced other awards you know the, it was it was a really poignant evening but uh, you are where you are and you you, you can't bury your head in the sands um, mm. to the wider ramifications of the of the era that we're currently living in. Of course and. Um... It's, it's, it's a lot more than a ceremony, clearly. I mean, you mentioned the, you know, giving the oxygen and, and the exposure to some of these um, uh, these very well-deserved award award winners that actually, you know, there is that evening of an occasion. But I guess there's an awful lot of build up and um, interaction and uh, uh, a lot more that goes on sort of before and after the event itself. Yeah, it's a bit like putting out a, a print publication every Friday. You know, the the actual um, you, what you are seeing there on the newsstands. If you've got a magazine like Farmers Guardian, or you've got an event like the British Farming Awards, or or other fantastic events that we run within the stable like Lammer or CropTech, is the culmination of months and months and months of of hard work. And I think that's the thing with with the British Farming Awards. You know, our social media schedule. Uh, will be running pretty much um, as it was uh, if it was a, a real and an in-person event. So we will be making sure that we're uh, we're publicising all the sponsors, all the supporters, all the all the different deadline and um, stages of the process. Uh, it's just the fact that that obviously it's not going to take place um, physically. And and I think one of the one of the key things that you've got to do. Um, is you know it's like I said before you you've got to retain the integrity of that brand. Um, the British Farming Awards has, has taken off phenomenally in the last few years, and uh, it is a really really strong and recognised brand within the farming world now. And I think whether that's virtual or whether that's in person, I think the um, uh, the plaudits for those businesses that that win those awards will will still be as high as they ever would be. Uh, and and I think it's about 
recognizing what farmers and, and farming businesses are doing because you've also got this element of the fact that you know and we all know it but pre-covid 19 um we were under the cautious a bit as an industry uh, and and the coronavirus pandemic has really uh, led to a reawakening i think amongst the british public about where the food comes from and therefore i think from an industry perspective it's right that we celebrate the fantastic stories that are there um, and whether that's via a virtual event or in person i think it's just right that we we still have that date in the diary um, to celebrate uh, the best of British agriculture. Absolutely, and and by the sounds of it, it's it's not really putting people off. I I, I think the um, when uh, this podcast goes live on on Friday is actually your your closing date for entry. So I guess you've got a pretty good idea as to uh, what the response has been so far. Yeah, we've we've had a very good uh, response, and actually, in some ways, it's been better than previous years. Now, whether that's because people got more time on their hands with lockdown, I mean, I know that farming isn't quite affected in the same way, but yeah, we've had a phenomenal response. Uh, in previous years, we've extended the deadline, and, and by the time that uh, by the time this comes out, we we may well do uh, that again, just to ensure that we can get as many in as as we can. I mean, the big challenge for farmers, and the big challenge on any uh, awards I've worked on, whether it's uh, been on business magazines that I've edited in the past or, or on local newspapers, is actually getting people to complete the uh, <laughs> the nominations. Mm. Um, so our team is is kind of beavering away behind the scenes to just uh, get those nominations to where they need to be and, and get people in. But yeah, it doesn't seem to have diminished the appetite. And I think, you know, we, we've seen, um, as we're having this discussion now, the proliferation in in podcasts and digital communication via video calls you know we're in a I think we've seen a, a real sea change in, uh, in in the acceptance of digital communication tools and digital technology actually within the industry and, and I think that's been a good thing so that's something we can reap the benefits of for this year with the ultimate aim obviously to be uh, to be back in uh, for a real event hopefully in uh, in 2021. And like you say, it keeps the momentum going. Everyone says enthused. It's sort of it's part of the the calendar year to to get everyone energised uh, about it. And I, I know uh, a lot of our clients we're working with, they're putting farmers forward. You know, we've got colleagues, and it's you know very much something that. Uh, um, you don't just don't want it to drop off the the calendar. I think that is something in in communications. It's you know you've you've got that mark in the sand. That's that's where uh, that happens. And to lose momentum for something that's only going to happen annually as it is, you know, to uh, to miss a year is uh, could be quite substantial. Yeah, and and I and I I also think it's how the the awards is now being perceived and used by people within the industry as well. So if you look at last year's Farm Worker of the Year winner, Henry Robinson, who uh, who we ran a fantastic um, feature on recently in Farmers Guardian, and he actually used it to get another job because it, it, it showed to his boss how you know how much of a worthwhile asset he was. He unfortunately within the business he was working in he couldn't be offered any more opportunities so they have that discussion and and he's taken his career forward if you look at Emma Picton Jones from the DPJ Foundation and the standing ovation she got at last year's event and she talks about that and the mental health charity she runs has been one of the highlights of, of her time running that charity so it is something um it is something that is is uh, really valuable to to individuals and to businesses and as you say, I think it's about retaining that that brand integrity and, and, and keeping the exposure out there within the farming industry. 
Yeah, it does go a lot beyond the glitz and the glamour, doesn't it? When you think about, oh, actually, if people can put that on their CV, you know, what these days do you need to be able to do to sort of get your head and shoulders above the parapet, particularly if we're coming post COVID-19 into uh, a bit more of a, a challenging uh, job job market for a lot of people. So. Yeah, and we're, we are not very good at that in agriculture, are we? You know, um, you or I might sit here as as people who work in the communication industry who are used to the corporate um, flow of things, who understand kind of how you build careers, how you build CV, how you get more experience and, and make yourself as an individual or as a business a marketable commodity. But I think sometimes in agriculture, we've we've not always had that mindset. And I'm I am just really, really pleased having worked in other sectors that I can see um, that people are starting to use that recognition and, and the accolade, not just in terms of having a good night uh, the, at the BFAs and having a drink, but using it afterwards for their careers or, or for the, um, the commercial relevance and vibrancy of their businesses or organisations. And I think that's that's actually really pleasing for me to see because you see that happening all the time in other sectors. And it's nice that um, agriculture is grasping that from a, a from a professional level. Brilliant. Well, um, we wish you all the best of luck, uh, Ben, with the uh, the awards as they uh, carry on through, and uh, uh, look forward, hopefully, for twenty twenty one. You know, actually seeing it all being back to its uh, former former glory. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, I'm sure this year's event will be a fantastic night as well. But uh, yeah, these are these are strange times, and we have to adapt accordingly. Yeah. Lovely. Thanks ever so much, Ben. No problem at all. That brings this week's podcast to a close and leaves me to thank again our guests, Rebecca Miller, John Kirkpatrick and Ben Briggs. Do tune in again in a fortnight's time. And remember, you can catch up on previous episodes from our website, pinstone.co.uk or via the Apple Apps, App Store, Spotify or any of the other major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.